Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 469. This week, we'll be heading on Allure of the Seas for a six-night cruise, and rather than give you a cruise preview, we're going to give you a port preview, talking about the different ports we're going to be visiting and what I would recommend if you were going on this cruise. Here we go. So a couple of cruises back, I decided because we had done the cruise ship preview to death that I would rather do a example or review of the different things you can do in the various ports you'll visit. And a lot of people like that idea. So we're going to continue this here and I'll actually be going on an allure of the seas for a six night cruise. My first time on allure, by the way, since like 2016, it's been a while, but we're doing a Western Caribbean cruise. This goes out of Fort Lauderdale and we're going to visit three ports, Roatan, Costa Maya and Cozumel. No stop at perfect day. Coco Kia. I know it's kind of strange almost, but yeah, that's the plan. And so in this particular itinerary, there's some very popular cruise ports to visit. So today, I wanted to kind of break down what I recommend in each of these ports if you happen to be going there. So with that in mind, let's talk about the different ports. And we're going to go in the order in which we're going to visit them. And in general, all three of these are very much beach-intense itineraries. You know, there are opportunities to do things that don't involve the beach. I think when it comes to the Caribbean, it's pretty difficult to find tours that are not beach centric. I mean, at the end of the day, most people are interested in going to the beach and I, and that's fine. I enjoy the beach too. The problem is I just get like beach fatigue. There's a lot of fatigue. There's food fatigue, drink package fatigue and beach fatigue. And basically what that means is, you know, after like a day or two of going to the beach, you're kind of like, all right, I need a break, like something a little bit different just to mix it up a little bit. And because these ports are one right after another, it can also make it a little more, I think, exacerbated to some extent. But you know, I'm going to try to give you some ideas that don't always involve aquatic activities, but keep in mind that you're going to be kind of limited in that because, of course, these aren't major cities you're visiting. This isn't, you know, like a San Juan, Puerto Rico or um, a, a number of other ports that have a large city. I can't think off the top of my head that offer, you know, a, a cityscape in addition to the beach. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But anyway, Roatan, Honduras is uh, our first stop. And Roatan is a port we've been to a couple times. In fact, we went there earlier this year. Had a lovely time. We did a, a private tour that took us to an animal encounter. Basically, we got to hold sloths. My kids were, like, obsessed with with sloths and holding them. And there were monkeys involved. I, this was not my cup of tea. But you got to do what the family wants sometimes. And um, on this cruise, I should mention that my kids will not be coming with us. They'll be at school. So instead, uh, it'll be just me and my wife on this cruise. So, again, our needs may be a little bit different. When it comes to Roatan, there are a number of things. My usual go-to recommendation, if you want to book the Royal Caribbean, is a semi-all-inclusive called Mayan Princess. Mayan Princess is a resort in which I say it's semi-all-inclusive because it's not quite like totally all-inclusive, like places I've been to, like in in Cozumel. But it includes you know lunch and and some drinks. So there are some things that do cost extra here. Not all the food and drink is included, but most of it is. And there's a pool and there's a beach, and it was pretty darn good. Uh, the, the issue that I really had with the Mayan Princess Resort was I'm more of a pool person, and there is a lovely-looking pool. Uh, the pool was absolutely freezing, which is not necessarily a bad thing in the summertime, and September will still be plenty warm. But that was one thing. And the other thing was there was a ton of shade. But otherwise, you know, it, it's a nice beach day experience. I think a lot of people, you know, can can find something there. A... Another option is to go through a third party. And a lot of people end up doing third party tours because there's a lot of different options that are here. You know, one website I haven't used personally, 
but I've heard good things about is Discover Roatan. It's uh, just discoverroatan.net. I don't have any affiliation with them, so I really can't speak to how they work, but I've heard good things about them. And you could do you know different things like there's different animal encounters, right? Whether you're going to do the monkeys and sloths, which is very popular, whether you're going to be going to an eco park or feed iguanas, those are the kind of things that you can do. I generally think that for the most part, these are partial day activities. So almost always you'll do these and then either head back to the ship or go to a beach of some kind of which, you know, that that's a very popular thing. And, and when you're talking about Rotan, speaking of the beach, you're really talking about Little French Key, which is really a very idealistic area that has a lot to do. People usually go here and you can buy all sorts of tours that will visit Little French Key. It's something you're going to see repeated a lot. And there's mangroves and gardens and white sand and crystal clear turquoise waters. You can also uh, encounter a lot of exotic animals like jaguars and Bengal tigers. And that's not for me at all on a variety of levels, but it's a very popular option. I think most people end up going to Little French Key more than anything else. But, you know, certainly the animal encounters. Also, ziplining is really big in Roatan. If you're looking to do a zipline that's not on a Royal Caribbean private island, then I would say Roatan should be at the top of your list because it has some really nice panoramic views through the uh, jungle canopies. So that might be a really good option for you. Let's move over to Costa Maya now, and that is our next stop. So Costa Maya is actually a man-made port. Uh, I mean, there is a town, it's Mahalwal, but really before the cruise lines came there, there was nothing. It's still a village. It's not like Cozumel or Roatan, which this is a major area, and it was naturally fit. Essentially, the cruise lines were like, you know what's good? People like Mexico. You know, we don't have enough of ports in Mexico. So they literally built a port in, no offense to the people in, who live in Mahalwal, but in the middle of nowhere. And they developed a cruise port that's over here. And it's actually very close to Cozumel. So it's not very far away. But Mahalwal offers a number of things. Again, I think the beach is the number one thing to do here. And on that note, when I go to Costa Maya, 99% of the time I go to one place. And that is Maya Chan. I absolutely love Maya Chan because it's somewhere I've been since 2010 and they do a fantastic job with it. It's an all-inclusive day pass place. So this is just the, their whole operation is just, well, I think it's just cruise ship folks. I suppose anybody could book it, but I think it's just cruise ship guests that go there. And uh, it's about 20 to 30 minutes away from a, 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 by taxi from where you dock in the cruise ship. And it's run by American expats. And this is, I think, the X factor that makes the difference because usually when you go to these kind of resorts, they're owned and operated by uh, locals that are there or somebody. I don't know. But the, the point is, is that I feel like the, the fact that the owners are Americans, they kind of understand what tourists are looking for in the sense of the, 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 the importance of having an authentic uh, aspect to it. You know, the food and, of course, the, 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 the beautiful scenery, but also having that level of service that Americans and a lot, I think just a lot of tourists in general who go on cruise ships expect. And the result has been one of the best, if not the best, all-inclusive experience that I've been to. I, I really enjoy it. It's a bit of a hike to get out there compared to other places, but I absolutely love it. I love the fact they limit the capacity there. You can't They don't just sell out as many spots as they can. It's limited capacity. And you get your own palapa. The food is absolutely phenomenal. The, the service, I mean, the waiters literally just will do anything. My favorite example of this was there were folks that were... I think they were either paddle boarding or kayaking out in the ocean, which is fine. That's their thing they're doing. And one of the waiters, you know, was at the shore. Was like, hey, you know, yelling at him, you want a drink? And, you know, he made, they were far enough away that he couldn't, like, talk. But he did, like, you know, the the hand gesture, like, you know, one more round. Kind of like, um, you know, circling his hand in the air, if that makes sense. I don't know. Anyway, and they, 
I, I'm guessing they said yes, something like that. And the guy literally took the drink, you know, poured the drinks and then went out to them. He's, he had one hand up in the water, out of the water, I should say, with the tray and one hand like half like wading, swimming and brought it out to them. I mean, it was just really an incredible thing, a little small thing, but it really made a difference. And, and I really feel like they treat you like family there. It's just, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, but that being said, uh, they do close down sometimes during the summertime to like refurbish and take a vacation. Um, so there are other options that are there. We'll talk about that. Actually, we're on, on this cruise that I'm going on alert. We're not going to Mayachin because they are closed for the summer. So instead, we're actually going to go to a place that I have went earlier this year when I was on Brilliance of the Seas. Uh, we actually went to uh, a place called uh, Blue Jamie's at Blue Reef, which is a uh, Blue Reef is a hotel located uh, kind of essentially in the downtown area of Mahawal. And uh, kind of like Mayachan, it is a limited capacity idea. Basically, they, the hotel has a beach, and they, they that beach you know, is their area, so to speak. And they've set up chairs, and they've set up a whole operation there. And I think they limit it to like, I want to say like 35 people or so. And while they don't have like all the palapas and, and kind of the, the spread out nature that Mayachan has, they do offer you terrific service and all-inclusive food and drink. And their food is really good here. The drinks are fantastic. You'll get your choice of good Mexican food. You know, one thing that always bothers me, this is just a math thing. I can't go to Mexico and have any kind of food that resembles food I could get back in the U.S. Like, I, I, I'm sure there's people who enjoy going to, you know, uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville or um, some other restaurant that is more akin back to what we have at home. But if I'm in Mexico, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, or in this case, do as the Mexicans do, and I want to have, you know, authentic Mexican food. And there is a big difference, in my opinion, between Mexican food in Mexico versus Mexican food in the United States. It's just, it's more homogenized back at home. So anyway, the bottom line, what I'm trying to get to add is the food is really good here at Jamie's Blue Reefs. And so if you're looking for another option, that's not Maya Chan, for whatever reason, whether they're closed or you're just looking for another alternative, you know, this is a good option for you. And I've been there once and I'm going back again and I have no reason to believe it won't be good again. And so this is a nice option for you. The thing, one thing they do in, in Jamie's, we got to talk about this for a second with all of the Western Caribbean ports is there is an issue related to uh, seaweed. It's actually a different type of grass. It's, um, uh, it, it doesn't matter what type of it is, but anyway, essentially long story short, um, a lot of the beaches in, whether you're talking about Cozumel, Costa Maya, or even Roatan can be inundated with the stuff. Essentially the, due to the ocean current, sometimes it brings in a lot of them and you get to the beach and there's a ton of seaweed on the beach and it smells and it's pretty offensive, quite frankly. Now, Maya Chan, again, what I love about them is if it is a problem on the day you're visiting, when you arrive, before you actually like depart to get there, they'll pick you up in a taxi. They will say, listen, here's photos. They're actually late, late, lately they've been using actually video. Here's what it looks like. If this is a problem for you, we understand we'll give you a full refund on the spot. Um, they do have people there that are cleaning it, which is really nice. Most beaches have this. They'll have a crew of, of, of guys who go out there and literally their job is to rake seaweed and, and bring it away so they can clear out the beach. It's far from a perfect situation. There's usually still some out there and the smell may still be present depending on if guys, you know, if their neighbors are raking it or not, but this is an issue at all beaches. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is not only for you to be aware of it, but also when you're going to a place, the thing that uh, Jamie's blue reef does, which I like is they've actually set up uh netting around their beach. It doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, foolproof plan, but it does help keep some of the seaweed away from the beach area. 
So uh, something to keep in mind that I, I like about it. I mean, it kind of ruins the view to some extent because you, you're in this crystal clear blue water and then you see this, you know, it's like chicken fencing, but it's still enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. Again, first world problem. But I wanted you all to be aware this is not just limited to one particular beach or another. This is all the Western Caribbean. It's something that's been kind of happening for a while now. So you should be aware of that. Anyway, uh, Jamie's Blue Reef is a good spot. I really liked it a lot. And I'm going back again. Something else to keep in mind. Another really popular option in Costa Maya is to go to Mayan ruins. And Chaco Ben ruins is probably the most noticeable one or the most popular one, I should say, that you can go to. Chaco Ben is an archaeological site that dates back to about 200 BC. And it's a pretty good example of Mayan ruins that are available there. The Chaco Ben ruins are part of an ancient Mayan city. And it was a ceremonial site for Mayans up until about 1847. And it's actually in pretty good state over there. And because you're docked in Costa Maya as opposed to Casa Mel, you're already on the mainland. So it's really just a bus ride away as opposed to a bus and ferry ride in Cozumel. Really, when it comes to all Mayan ruins, they're absolutely phenomenal to see. And I would definitely recommend them, especially whether if you're a history buff. And even if you're not, I think it's still pretty impressive. The biggest downside, I think, to going to any Mayan ruins in Mexico is, quite frankly, that if you're there during the warmer months of the year, which I would characterize as, I don't know, March or April through November or so, is that you're going in the jungle in the tropics, it's going to be hot, like really hot. But as long as you're okay with that, and plenty of people do it, um, you know, it, it's it's a cool thing to do. One other thing about the Mayan ruins, and this is not only true of Chaco Ben, but a lot of Mayan ruins you're going to see, is that you have a limited amount of time there. Because of the transportation time required to get from your cruise ship over to the ruins, and then, of course, back again, the logistics involved with that can usually mean you have a very limited amount of time over there. So, don't expect to spend a whole day, again, because your cruise ships may be only docked for a number of hours, but hey, it's something cool to definitely see. And lastly, we end up with Cozumel. Cozumel is one of the busiest cruise ports in the world by passengers. It is a staple of the Western Caribbean. And the good news is there is a ton to see and do in Cozumel. I mean, it's an island that you're visiting. So unlike Roatan, actually Roatan is an island. I take that back. Unlike Costa Maya, where it is on the mainland, you're on an island here. And so if you want to get to the mainland, which we'll talk about a little bit, it does require a ferry ride that's there. But Cozumel is a real cruiser's paradise. I mean, there's just a lot to do. Weather's great. Um, it, it's one of those ports in which you're not going to have too limited options. There's going to be too many options, quite frankly, about what you can do. So let's talk about the most popular things to do in Cozumel, starting off with, of course, the beaches. And at the end of the day, I think most people end up at a beach uh, in Cozumel. There's a lot of beaches to consider. Um, it's not just one area. But generally speaking, you want to stick to the west side of Cozumel. The eastern side of Cozumel is far too rough for swimming. And in general, it's pretty rural and undeveloped over there. So when you're going to go to a beach in Cozumel, you're going on the west side. And that's where your cruise ship docks anyway. So it's not like you're going that far from it. Most of the beaches are anywhere from about, you know, five or ten minutes, maybe 20 minutes away. It depends on which one you're going to. Some of my favorites include Paradise Beach and um, Nachicocum. It really depends also if you're looking for a pay-as-you-go beach, or an all-inclusive beach. So what I mean by that is if you're paying for, like, uh, as-you-go, meaning maybe you pay for the chair, and then you maybe pay for you know, whatever drinks or food you order, that option allows you to be a little more economical depending on your taste. This is really good if you're only spending maybe a couple hours at the beach or you're really not a big drinker. This could be a really good option. And Paradise Beach is my favorite go-to option. Some other pay-as-you-go beaches include Playa Palancar, and Playa Mia as options that are there. 
There's also bars that are near the beach. So these are less beach resorts and more like it's a bar and the beach is nearby. And a lot of people just go there to drink and enjoy the views. Places like Senor Frogs, Margaritaville, Carlos and Charlie's Beach Club, and the Money Bar are all really popular touristy bars in which there's a more of a party atmosphere than say like, hey, we're here to go to the beach. I think in these cases, the bar is kind of the draw. And a lot of these are actually located more in the downtown area than and some of these other places we talked about like Paradise Beach, which is a little further away. But you're also gonna find one more option for a beach save, that's not enough. And that is going to be, of course, the all-inclusive beaches. These are resort passes in which you pay for one fee and everything's included, drinks, food, etc. Nachi Kokum, El Cid, and Mr. Sanchez all have these options that are there. My favorite is Nachi Kokum if you want all-inclusive. If you don't want all-inclusive, Paradise Beach, I think, is the way to go. If you're looking for some culture, something different than the beach, well, then there is some Mayan culture. The good news is there are Mayan ruins on the island of Cozumel, but they're not very impressive. The Mayan ruins on Cozumel are San Gervaiso, and they're really run. They're nothing spectacular. I mean, they're Mayan ruins. You can say you went to see Mayan ruins, but they're not nearly as impressive as the ruins on the mainland. On the mainland, you're going to have the option of Mayan ruins at Tulum or Chichen Itza. And Chichen Itza is to Mayan ruins as the Great Pyramids of Giza are to pyramids in Egypt. So something to keep in mind. But of course, it's a distance to get there. And the problem with going to the mainland, whether you're talking about Tulum or Chichen Itza, is that it requires a high-speed ferry ride to get there. And the ferry, for what it's worth, has a reputation of inducing seasickness. It's just one of those things. So if you're going to do it, which is fine, I really recommend taking Bonine before you get on the ferry just to be safe because it's just not worth the risk otherwise. Just keep in mind that you, know, you have a little more... Uh, transportation logistics involved so your time is limited and if you're going to do a, a tour on the mainland i really recommend booking through royal caribbean so that way if there's any delays you're not going to miss your cruise ship that's probably the most important thing that are out there so definitely something to keep in mind again tulum is right across the bay in playa del carmen and it has a phenomenal beach like right next to the mayan ruins which is what a lot of people like and of course then there's chichen itza and if you're going to i mean chichen itza is the mayan ruin to see but it's Quite a hike to get there. You'll probably end up with only about 45 minutes or so at the ruins because your transportation time back and forth is so significant. Something else you might also want to consider, something a little bit different, are the eco parks in Cozumel. There's a number of them, and they offer basically, well, you know, your opportunity to enjoy the natural uh, surroundings around you and still be in the water and cool off, but also have more of a connection to the environment as opposed to, you know, uh, Uno Mas Margarita, por favor. Uh, you've got Chacanab. Excarat Park, you've got the Punta Sur Park, and also there's some fun excursions like Salsa, Salsa, Margaritas, and, and some others that are there. Something else to consider in Cozumel is just the downtown area. You know, there's a simple and robust choice just to go downtown to San Miguel, which is the, well, most people call downtown Cozumel, downtown Cozumel, but it's really actually called San Miguel. And here you got shopping with uh, touristy gifts along with some authentic Mexican goose. About eight bucks per taxi ride to get there. You can get down, downtown about five minutes. And once you're there, it's basically a grid layout. And you can enjoy plenty of shopping and eating all around you. One of my favorite things to do in Cozumel is actually not go to the beach, but just go downtown and walk around and enjoy the bars and the restaurants and the shopping that are there. Again, during the times of the year in which it's a little cooler out and it's enjoyable to be outdoors. You know, again, we're talking about November through March or so. I prefer to go downtown and just explore because it's comfortable outside. There's a lot of bars and seating and you can just take it easy. It's not that I'm going shopping like let's go from store to store to store to store. We'll do, you know, a store or two and then go have, you know, a drink here and kind of take it easy. And it's really, really nice. By the way, when you're talking about Mexico, whether it's Cozumel, Costa Maya, or even Rotan in Honduras, 
the U.S. dollar is fine. Don't worry about changing your currency to pesos. It's it's totally fine uh, in that regard. And there's one other thing that people do in Cosmo that's pretty popular, and that is, of course, swimming with dolphins. I have not done these. It's not my thing. But if you're interested, that's another option that is there. So hopefully that gives you an idea of what to expect and what I recommend to do in each of the ports that we're visiting. Roatan, Costa Maya, and Cozumel. It's fun places to go to. I don't get sick of them. I enjoy them. I love the food, and I love that there's a good variety of choices in each of these ports to enjoy. So if the worst thing I can tell you about this itinerary is that there's just a lot of beach days, that's a pretty good problem to have. All right, friends, time to answer listener emails. This is a part of the episode where I dive into the email inbox to answer your Royal Caribbean Cruise questions. You can always email me your questions by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. M-A-T-T. I wonder how many emails go to M-A-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. That's not how I spell my name. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And I'll answer your question on here on the episode. Lauren from Pennsylvania with our first question. On episode 466, you answered a question from Jeremy about the train from Anchorage to Seward to get on Radiance of the Seas. And I wanted to offer my input as my family just completed a southbound voyage on Radiance of the Seas in August 2022 and did this exact option. We took the Coastal Classic train and had tickets for Gold Star Service. We arrived at the Anchorage train depot an hour before departure at 5.45 a.m. When we arrived, we had cruise luggage tags on the bags we wanted to check in, and they had a spot set up for cruise passengers could leave their bags before we went on to the ticket counter to check in. We didn't have to handle the bags that we checked in on the train once we arrived at Seward at 11 a.m. All that was taken care of, and our bags arrived in our room later that evening. This is our first cruise back, so we went directly to the ship, but other people on the train were doing some excursions in Seward before getting on Radiance. The walk from the Seward train depot to the ship wasn't too long. I believe it was about half a mile, and there are sidewalks for the entire walk. I highly recommend this train, and specifically the Gold Star Service if you can budget it. The views are amazing, and the ride was very comfortable. Matt, thanks for all the information that you and your team share about Royal Caribbean. That helps us fill the time until we get back on a ship again. Lauren, thanks for the email, and uh, first of all, thank you for sharing this uh, re mini review, if you will, of the uh, Coastal Classic train. That's awesome. Glad to hear that. I'll have to remember this for my own edification, because I hope sooner or later... I'll be able to experience uh, a, a open jaw cruise and then kind of do a, a land tour kind of thing. Sounds amazing, I, I, I got to say. So thank you, Lauren, so, so much. And also one more thing, Lauren, you mentioned, um, most importantly, you said thank you, which I always appreciate, but you said to you and your team, and it, Real, Real Caribbean Blog has been growing quite a bit. We do have a team of, of, of great people here. In addition to myself, it's not just the Matt show anymore. <laughs> There's more people here behind the scenes and in front of the scenes as well. So um, it, it is very much appreciated. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Next email is from Carl from New Jersey. Hey, Matt, over the years, I've sent a few emails regarding the difference between Royal Caribbean and Disney Cruise Line, such as the ones listed uh, below from 11 years ago. So I was excited to listen to your latest podcast on the episode on episode 465. One of the points mentioned in the podcast was the observation that Mariner had more new crew members being trained. I've taken four cruises since post-COVID restart, and I've only noticed the same thing on many of the recent cruises. However, this was not the case when I went on Wonder of the Seas last week. This was the first cruise where I felt the staffing levels quality were back to how things were pre-COVID, perhaps even better. Cruise lines assign their best and most experienced crew members when starting up a new ship. Since Disney wishes a new ship and Mariner is not, I think that may explain the difference that Sylvia noticed. In any case, in your email response from me in 2013, you said you hoped the new podcast might convince me a frequent cruiser uh, on other lines to give Royal Caribbean a try. Seems like you were successful in that since I just held on Wonder of the Seas as a newly minted Diamond Crown and Anchor member. And uh, wow, Carl, thank you for the email. I'm so glad to hear that uh, uh, actually nine years later, 
you uh, you've you've uh, you've come around to the Royal Caribbean way of things, and well, I wonder if the season's fantastic, and you're a Diamond member. That is awesome, right there. Love it, and uh, thank you so much for the email, Carl. Always appreciate hearing from you, even if it's every nine years or so. Hey, it still matters. It's 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 great stuff. Alyssa has our next question for us. Uh, my husband and I are setting sail on Navigator the Seas for a three-night Ensenada cruise at the end of September. This is his first time cruising, but it's my fifth. Uh, two seven-night Disney cruises and two uh, seven-night Royal Caribbean cruises on Ovation and Symphony. We're from California, so a three-nighter on Navigator was the best budget-friendly option for us. I'm worried that it'll be a letdown, so to speak, as the other two Royal Caribbean cruises I've done were newer, bigger ships and twice as long. I realize I could have much bigger problems in life than sailing on an older ship for three nights versus seven, but I was curious if you have any must-dos on Navigator that we shouldn't miss to make the most of our short time. I really want to sell my husband on cruising so we can make it our preferred way to vacation. Alyssa, thanks for the email. The good news is you're on Navigator, and judge not the size, the ship by its age or size, because Navigator got arguably one of the best uh, amplifications uh, in, in the Royal Amplification Program right before the shutdown. And I got to say, that is a really good ship. Um, so the good news is it's not like you're going on, and I hate to use the Vision Class as the end-all, be-all example of a small old ship. Um, it's, it's not to that point, and there's nothing wrong with the Vision Class, by the way, but I'm just saying that you're you're far you're not that far from the larger ships that are out there certainly will be different but it's still navigator is a great ship i think the upgrades that she got will really help quite a bit and make it feel a little more um feel less of her age and more of a hey this is this is really cool you know um something along those lines if that makes sense in terms of uh what to do you know kind of things not to miss number one is definitely the water slides navigator is the only cruise ship in the fleet that has the blaster and riptide water slides. Uh, one of them is a raft slide, and, which is kind of similar to the um, uh, the Disney one. I forget which one it is. The Aqua something. Um, Aqua Mouse, Aqua Dunk. I don't know. One of those that has a slide there. And there's also a raft, like a headfirst raft slide. So that's something else that is not to be missed. Also, the Bamboo Room is really cool. I love the Bamboo Room. It's a tiki bar. It, I, something about South Pacific vibe. I'm a real sucker for it really got to enjoy that quite a bit. I, I think that's fantastic. And then, of course, you have some great specialty dining on board. If you can at all squeeze it out financially, Playmakers, get a meal over there, maybe do, um, you know, Jamie's Italian is, is a great choice. If you're a big seafood fan and you like shellfish, then I might recommend also Hooked. Um, and one more thing to try out would be the escape room on Navigator of the Seas. The Observatorium is a lot of fun, and I think maybe your husband might look at that. And that's something that a lot of people don't consider when it comes to a cruise ship idea, like they don't, they don't necessarily even imagine that there could be a, um, a an escape room on on a cruise ship. So it's kind of something different to do, so to speak. So hopefully, Alyssa, your your master plan works out, and many more cruises in your future. Uh, Luke has our next email for us. Insert gratuitous accolades and gratitude for the site and podcast. What do you think about the announcement T-Mobile and SpaceX about potential messaging and voice capabilities from regular phones using the new SpaceX satellites? It's limited use cases at the moment and not launching until next year, but for simple messaging around the ship, or at least in the pool deck, it seems like it could be a viable option. Somewhat related, do you think the $2 a day messaging option will ever be included with the internet package or made free for certain loyalty levels or just free overall? Everyone complains about the Emerald level. Maybe that could be something to add there. Repeat gratitude for site and podcast here. <laughs> Luke, thanks for the email, buddy. So um, let's start with the, the SpaceX thing, the Starlink of the T-Mobile. Basically, at first, I think the headlines were uh, definitely clickbaity, and they, they basically said, um, T-Mobile, SpaceX, to partner to use Starlink satellites to cover dead zones. Wow, that sounds like you're going to have cell phone coverage like in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the ocean. 
yeah, not quite. It's really just going to be, again, in its earliest form, it'll be a year from now, purely texting, which is, hey, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a T-Mobile uh, subscriber, but that would be something. I mean, there are a lot of people who purely get an internet package for being able to stay in communication with other people, whether they're on the ship or at home, you know, so purely for text messaging or phone calls. And if that's what it does and it's free because you're already getting it as a T-Mobile uh, subscriber, at potentially, and I'm potentially, sounds like a great idea. You know, as for the messaging that through Royal Caribbean's app, I still don't know to this day why they don't include it. I mean, I, I assume it's because they're making money. You know, revenue is revenue. And even if, you know, 20 people buy it, that's still, you know, $40 a day that they're getting that they didn't get otherwise. I mean, you know, every every dollar helps, right? I, I get that. They're, they're a for-profit company. Understood. That being said, it just seems incredibly silly that uh, the option is not included with the internet package. As to whether or not it'll ever be free, um, you know, that, that's an interesting one. And one question I would always have is how, I mean, there's always a cost to it because they're using a third-party internet service. You know, maybe with the new Starlink service that Royal Caribbean is going to be rolling out and is in the process of doing so, might impact that uh, and help out quite a bit, but we'll have to wait and see on that. It's, it's gonna be kind of a, um, I, I'm not sure what to expect. The answer to your question is always, I am like the worst predictor of anything in the world. People ask me, Matt, what is, what's your we, we, you know, what's your prediction for what's to be coming? Will this change? Will that change? Will this be included? Will that be dropped? Uh, of course, we always do a yearly episode about predictions of the next year, and I'm so bad at them. I mean, really, truly terrible. So to say that you're asking the wrong person would, uh, would be an understatement, but we'll see. Uh, Milan has the next question for us. What's the benefit of two people with one device each versus one person and two devices? Why a $50 difference? Keep up your amazing work you do on all the socials. So your question is really good. Basically, Millen wants to know, why is it, why get, why, why get two one device internet package instead of one two device internet package? The advantage of two one device packages is that you have two separate logins, which makes managing it a whole lot easier. If you and I are on the same cruise together and um, we have two different logins, I can't impact your ability to use your internet package. Um, when you get a two device internet package, then you have one login for two devices. The issue though is uh, I can kick you off by simply adding on another device and it would be inadvertent, but it could happen. And that's the annoying thing about it. The benefit though of doing a two device package is that it's cheaper. Um, they're giving you a discount for committing to more devices essentially. So, you know, if it's family or somebody, you can like literally look over your shoulder like, hey, stop kicking me off the network. It's I'm on here with this device, you know, then it's fine. Um, but if uh, if that's not reasonable, maybe you've got, um, I, I don't know, like a, a friend or somebody who you don't feel as comfortable with that, then that might be a different issue. You get a separate internet package. But for family, I think that's totally fine to get the multi-device package because you will save money with that particular approach. Next email is from Steven. Hi, Matt. I enjoy listening to your weekly podcast, live stream on YouTube, and weekly videos. A couple questions, almost technical. What equipment and or software do you use to create your podcast while on board a ship? In your studio, it's quite apparent that you have a decent setup. Um, what do I use it on a ship? Actually, on a ship, um, I have a Zoom recorder, Z-O-O-M. It's a handheld recorder. It's about the size, a little smaller than a phone in terms of height. It's significantly uh, wider, not like crazy, but it's, it's handheld uh, and it has a decent microphone that you can direction, you can, you know, point in one direction, two directions, four channels. It's, it's pretty cool. I've been using it for many, many years and it works reasonably well. Um, and you can bring the gain up and down. So that way, if we're having a conversation, 
you know, at a table, I can turn the gain down so I'm not picking up, you know, ambient noise and things like that, or less ambient noise anyway. Um, so that's what I use. So there's a number of them that are out there. Zoom has, there's a number of models that come out over the years. I have an ancient one and you know what? It does the trick. Uh, considering the recent news, number two, this is Steven's question. Considering the news, the Royal Caribbean signing an agreement with SpaceX, have you heard or seen any details of the rollout in the Royal Caribbean fleet specifically? Um, so to answer your question, this is interesting. You sent this email uh, a couple weeks ago, like two weeks ago. And uh, actually, as of the recording of this podcast, we know for sure that's on Independence of the Seas now. It's on Freedom. It's been on Freedom. And it's been at Independence. They just rolled that out over the weekend. And it looks like Allure, Liberty, Enchantment, uh, and I think maybe one other ship is the next. And they're going to fund, they're going to systematically do it. But the bottom line is I asked Royal Caribbean for a schedule. There was no schedule. So I have to wait and see on that. Uh, lastly, number three, does Royal Caribbean allow three prong extension cords to be brought on board the ship? Oasis has very few outlets. And I've seen videos where people brought 10 foot extensions for various reasons. I know surge protected power strips are not permitted. Just curious. In general, um, I don't recommend bringing any extension cords because the problem is, is that as soon as security sees you have an extension cord, they're not going to start like, all right, let me go see if this is a surge protector or not. More often than not, they're just simply confiscated just to simplify things. So my advice is to get a USB hub, not an extension cord, certainly not a surge protector, and go about it that way to get more outlets. Um, Steven, we're boarding Oasis of the Seas from Cape Liberty, New Jersey for the first time in 2013. Can't wait to see amplifications. We live in New Jersey. So this is our local home port and know some of the port staff personally. This will be the first time visiting Perfect Day this amplification so this cruise is, is a curiosity cruise to say the least awesome well steven well, we have a great time on the oasis of the seas love hearing that we have time for another question or two and then we're gonna wrap this up here i think this will be the last one from kelly i just got off oasis of the seas this past sunday my first time on oasis and it was definitely an awesome experience i happen to be listening to one of your most recent episodes about the mariner of the seas review and i was instantly yelling for my husband to come into the room and listen with me so to preface this i'm a big fan i love the podcast blog etc and along with that I'm, of course, a Royal Caribbean loyalist. I've been, I've told my husband that I would like to go on a group cruise someday and or meet you. Let's revisit August 31st. My first ever visit to Coco Key, great experience, but when we woke up, I heard the gossip that another ship was in port with us that we expected uh, we were even the only ship there. What ship was that? Mariner of the Seas. At first, I was a little worried how busy it would be, but overall, it was a great day and more than enough room for everybody. Even met some people in the pool from Mariner that told us about the medical emergency on your ship and no, and now knowing that the Matt Hodgeberg was on the surprise Mariner visit, well, that's a horse of different color. But let me ask why, why of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, and by gin joints, I mean islands, why were we on the same one? I didn't know and I didn't get to meet you. Okay, I'm being very dramatic, but I honestly can't believe the stars aligned like that and didn't know you were there. I'm also laughing because I'm sure we passed each other as we were at the Wastes Lagoon in the morning and then South Beach in the afternoon, just like you mentioned. Oh, well, next time. I did want to say regarding Oasis of the Seas, I was worried that once I was on a larger ship, I would never want to go back to a smaller ship again. But now I see the pluses and minuses to both. Love Central Park and eating breakfast on the boardwalk at Johnny Rockets. The sweet deck on Oasis was lovely, slurring, beautiful, and loved the Blaze Comedy Club and all the live music. What I did miss, though, on the smaller ships, you definitely get a lot less. Also, I miss the nightly theater productions that are available in the Royal Theater, the more Vegas-style music and dancing shows, having to schedule reserved shows way ahead of time, is a little stressful. All, unfortunately, Aqua 80s got canceled twice, so we'll have to book another cruise to see it someday. I love theater and musicals, but I know I'm not the first to say that Cats isn't a crowd favorite. Great comedy on the ship, though. Wondering if it has to do with the supply chain issues, but I was surprised at the limited availability when shopping, especially for jewelry clothing on the ship. It was noticeably different than when we were on our last cruise at the end of 2021. 
went to Kennedy Space Center in Port Canaveral. We had fun. And Coco Key, we, we ziplined. My first time ever. And at NASA, we did the excursion to Blue Lagoon. Highly recommend to anyone to do the adults-only VIP. Private beach was lovely. Swimming was spectacular. Lunch was great. We had a nice afternoon drinking banana mama, Bahama mamas, excuse me, and making friends. That was our overall favorite day. Love that we got three days at sea to explore the ship. So much to do. I had never sailed out of Bayon. This was quite an experience. Anyway, just want to send a message to say, hey, see you next time. And I want to be Matt Hochberg when I grow up. Kelly, thanks for the email. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to meet up while on the sh uh, at perfect day. But yes, you're right. We were there together and uh, like two ships passing in the night. Uh, we, we missed each other on that one. But I do appreciate the, the movie references there. Of course, they're different color. Uh, the uh, gin joints in the world, the A plus. I, as somebody who always, in my own personal life, I quote a lot of movies. Uh, usually, Terminator Two, The Simpsons, which isn't a movie, it's a TV show, but you get it. Um, and Billy Madison. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm very nice. Me likey. Uh, I really appreciate that you're uh, you're doing that. And hopefully, Kelly will get a chance to cruise together soon. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Uh, of course, you can send me your emails, whether we go on a cruise together or not, to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.